0: The spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz, Stephanie Burke, and the silent assassin Matt Costa are off tonight, and we are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. We air right here on WBSM. we also rebroadcast weekly on the Dark Matter Radio Network, the home of Art Bell's Midnight in the Desert, and of course you can watch us on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. So if you are watching that, we've got kind of a weird camera set up tonight. We just we kind of just did what we could tonight because somebody forgot the tripod. <clears throat> me, it happens from time to time, and also I'm a little bit messed up because I forgot my own headphones. Uh, so, I'm using the ones I usually. I'm use. wearing the community property ones, and it you know it it throws me off a little bit. I sound different. So if I try to overcompensate and try to sound a little bit more announcery, <laughs> I apologize. There's not enough, uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it. I would say it's kind of like there's not enough bass in the headphones, but it's, it's just, I don't know, it's different. They work enough for what I use them for just to be able to keep up with the... But control. you become, you know how it works. Oh, yeah. You become so used to a certain pair that, uh, you know, and, and usually I have those great uh, um, audio-technical ones that were given to us from some listeners.
1: Yeah, the ones you use are very nice.
0: And uh, I also have my, my Bose that i have the, the one thing that i've spoiled myself for since we started doing the show i actually took the what little profits i made off my first book goes to the south coast and bought a pair of bose qc15s and those are the best the fine people at bose make a quality product and we would love to have them sponsor the show and send us multiple pairs of headphones that if we forget them they're always here for us uh, but the problem with those man is that they run on those little double triple a batteries yeah so while i used to be doing the show i'd be in the middle of the show my battery would die and then i wouldn't be able to hear anything which is fine if it's me talking i don't need to hear myself but you know in the middle of interviewing a guest and i'm like "Oh, <coughs> what was that you said again i just had to pop in a new AAA. a yeah so uh but uh, we are going to be talking tonight with our guest aaron plusinski i believe i'm saying his name right He is the executive producer, the showrunner of a new show that will be debuting next month on Destination America called The Demon Files. And if you have seen the movie, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, did you see that film, Matt Moniz?
1: No, I haven't. I am so sorry. I don't get a chance to see many
0: movies. This one is actually one of the few that I would say is worth finding a little time to watch. A, A lot of the times with the horror movies that have been coming out in the last few years, you know, they have a great build-up, they have a great story, a great approach, and then it disappoints you in the end. And you're always like, well, that turns stupid really fast. But Deliver Us From Evil is one of those movies that didn't really feel that way to me. They did a good job in, in making it a complete story. Any well-known actors that I may know? Uh, well, Eric Banner played Ralph Sarchi in the film. And Eric Banner, who he was in that first Hulk movie, that was kind of terrible. Uh, the one before Ed Norton took it over. Okay. And uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was the villain in the uh, first Star Trek reboot movie, I believe. Okay. So uh, I think it was the first. Yeah, the first No, one I, was, I know the actor. Cumberbatch was the one in the second yeah. one, right. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that brings a lot to a role anyway, but he's playing a real-life person. He's playing former New York City police detective Ralph Sarchi, who years ago wrote a book called Beware the Night, which was his account of living through being... The, uh, you know how we talk about Alan Alves being the cult cop for all the, for the Freetown cases? Yes. Well, Ralph Sarchi was kind of like that guy, but for the New York City Police Department. He was the guy that would always get called in when things seemed a little strange or unusual, and he found that a lot of the cases he was dealing with, he thought, were demonic. He thought it was demonic possession that was responsible for a lot of the stuff that he was seeing. So he wrote a whole book about his experiences with Lisa Collier-Cool called Beware the Night, and that was optioned for a film, and that became Deliver Us from Evil. Well, Ralph, even though, you know, he, I think he's completely retired from the police department, but even though all this stuff is going on, uh, you, you know, he's out there now in the public as being, you know, the demon cop, he's still working behind the scenes and helping people that are having uh, what, what they feel is a demonic affliction in their lives. So he has always been there for people and used his experience and, and his research. He feels like this was his calling. And when, I first, when we first started doing Spooky South Coast, one of the first... Newer books that I read on a paranormal topic was Beware the Night. And I said, we gotta get this guy. And I found through, I think, MySpace back then, I found Lisa Cool, his co-author, and I asked her, and she said, you know, Ralph doesn't really like to do a lot of interviews. And then I said, oh, okay, well, I kind of understand, you know, that's, that's fine. But I've been pursuing him. You know, I became friends with him on Facebook, and I've been trying to get him for years to come on the show. And he does not do a lot of interviews. But he has promised me that someday he will come on the show and he will do an entire episode with us and share with us some of his experiences. But it was easier for him to write about it than it was for him to talk about it. So this show coming out, I reached out to Ralph and I said, "Ralph, can you come on?" You know, and he said he he will definitely come on with us. But he couldn't this week. But he gave us. Aaron, the producer of the show. And I said, well, yeah, that'd be fine. You know, I just want to kind of talk about how you're going to approach that. And uh, I had a chance to have a conversation with Aaron, and I was fascinated by his approach to the way that they're doing the show. So I think that we're going to talk about that not, not so much as a, you know publicity for a television show, but as much as it is talking about, like, here's how you take a demonic case or what you think is a demonic case and then present it for television. Because that's a whole different world than going into a, a place that's you know haunted, and dealing with ghosts, and dealing with ghosts that are you know, maybe scaring the living a little bit just because they don't understand the nature of it. I mean, I, I have yet to see an episode of Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters where I would feel like somebody would be unsafe going into that place. In terms of the paranormal activity. Oh, I was going to say,
1: there's been a few places that have been pretty sketchy as far as construction.
0: Yeah, but, you know, the the dangerousness level of the physical structure is one thing. But in terms of actually feeling like if I go in there, I'm going to be so accosted by the paranormal that I don't think I could ever survive. You know, I've never really felt that way. But with demonic cases, that's – the viewer might come away feeling that way about some of these things they're going to take on. So that's why I want to kind of talk to Aaron about that because it's different, Ghost Hunters Ghost Adventures all these paranormal shows, you know, they do a, a, a they're kind of like PR for the for the paranormal field, okay? They're letting people know that there are folks out there that do investigate this stuff. So, and you can feel however you want to feel about the approaches that they take and the science that they use and what have you. But the fact is it is putting it out there for people that hauntings happen, you may be experiencing one, and if you think you are, there's somebody out there that can help you. So it works in that capacity to at least be good PR for letting people know that. I don't know what what the end result will be about putting PR out there about the fact that there are demons and that these demons are oppressing and and possibly possessing people. Is that going to be something that will, first of all, it's going to play into the psyche and the, the, the mental illness of a lot of people who already think that they're being afflicted by these but probably aren't. Then the other part is, there's kind of like that, the metaphysical side of that argument, where, will talking about this and focusing on it make it become more prevalent? Will it open more doors for these entities to come through and go after the living, go after the people uh, that exist in this plane of existence? So, all stuff that we can discuss with Aaron coming up uh, in the next hour, in the next half hour. But uh, how did you feel last week, Matt Moniz? I, I should ask you this. <laughs> Because you had a very interesting experience last week at uh, our Ghost of the Gateway event at the Faring Tavern. And, it you know, I've been on a lot of investigations with you. Not everything shakes you up. You know, usually somebody will yeah. be like, Matt, this just happened. You'll be like, yep, that's the kind of stuff that goes on. But <laughs> what happened with us at the Faring Tavern actually shook you up a little bit. I, well, it, it
1: it was one of these things that... I was fortunate enough to be there when somebody had their own first experience with, you know. Which is the, part of the
0: reason because, why we do these things. Exactly,
1: exactly. Um, the young lady that we had, Carolyn, who is a reporter, and I would, she basically decided she wanted to chaperone with me for the night and go around seeing how things are done and why we use what particular equipment here and there and why and stuff like that. And we were on the first floor, and you guys were headed up doing the tour on the second and third floor and I had my laser grid set up, and I was explaining the principles behind why that's used, you know because you you look for something that's disrupting the light beams and and things and We were in the tap room, and i I was looking out to my left through that door that goes into the kitchen area mm-hmm. and
0: which basically gives you an unmitigated view you, across the that that dimension that, of the building
1: yeah that dimension that half of the room and you know how there's a couple of windows at the on the far wall on the other side mm-hmm. and I'm looking at one of the windows and they're fairly large and I saw what to me looked like a person leaning across the window you know blocking out two or three of the frames and it stopped me mid in mid-sentence, talking so to So
0: blocking out the frames means you know that it's on the inside of the right.
1: window. Right, yeah. So I'm like, whoa. And it, it moved back. And I'm like, all right, maybe this is just light shadow because it was very windy that We night. should point
0: out it wasn't the first shadow that you had seen or that anybody else had seen in the Farring Tavern that Correct. night. Yeah, that it, night. It had been Correct. happening quite a bit.
1: Correct. And um, the second time it happened, I'm watching it, did the same kind of motion. And moved back, and this time, Carolyn saw it with me. And she's like, did you just see that? Now, she said it to me. It's like, okay, so I know that we're both seeing the same thing. And I'm looking at it, I was like, yeah, I did. And she goes, oh, my God, it's still there. It's standing by the wall. And at the moment that she said that, I guess whatever it was, noticed that we saw it. And it came basically gliding and rushing up to the door frame right at us and put best described would be hands on the door jamb and leaned in and as it leaned in it's it just dissipated it was a darkish grayish figure of a person that was semi-transparent but mostly opaque it was blocking out light and it had figure and form at which point poor little carolyn She's wrapping me around in like a chokehold, and her legs are literally climbing up my back. She's trying to actually get on top of my shoulders is what it felt like. And she's screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my, oh my God. And, and as, it, as soon as it disappeared, you know, I basically had to take her off of my back, set her back onto the floor, and she looked at me and said, did you see that? It's like, yeah,
0: I saw that. <laughs> and and that's what happens. I mean, a, a lot of the times, you know, reporters want to come and they want to document these events. And for them, it's not so much about, you know, having a paranormal experience. as writing about other people going through right. the process of having it. Uh, but she became very interested when, you know, because the history grabs you yeah. when you're in that place. And, and you say, okay, well, I want to kind of, you know, I want to become part of the legend, as we always say with legend trips. You know, uh, so I think that that was kind of her plan was to just, you know, have hopefully a little something to just spice up her story. I don't think she was really counting on having, you know, a (laughs) full-blown paranormal experience, but I'm glad that she did. And, you know, it, it actually, not to say that the people who come and have an experience... You know, that we don't want to hear from them, but it, it will lend a little bit of credibility to people who will scoff and say, well, of course you feel like you had an experience. You paid $99 to get into the event, so you're going to think anything that happened is paranormal to justify paying what you paid to get in. Right. But she didn't pay anything. She was there covering the event. Right. And so for her to come out and say, and she didn't even write about it in her story. She a she, Last line, she, she, she just makes a little reference right. to it. But she didn't actually write about the experience, so she wasn't sensationalizing what happened to her. Right. She was keeping it personal. Oh, it
1: definitely which, affected her.
0: And, and that, to me, gives it even more credence and credibility, you know? So, uh, you know, if I'm somebody looking from the outside in. So uh, I, I feel like that was kind of a, a, a pretty strong experience. And we had some things going on all night. Yeah. I mean, people had some personal experiences, not a lot of, you know, hard data, but. A lot of
1: vocalization. That's the other thing that we we kept hearing, you know, people talking and stuff like that. That was strange. And
0: and Rick who was there uh has been sending me some E V P clips that he has and some stuff that was coming through on the uh, on the Ghost Box yeah. as well. So you know hopefully eventually we'll be able to put all this together and, and at least put it up online for people to see. But we do have uh we do have something coming up. Yeah. We've been teasing this for a couple of weeks now, but you know, we started, uh, working with Fun 107 and WBSM here, our, our stations. Uh, of course, we're on WBSM and our sister station on the FM side is Fun 107. So we, they asked us to help them put together some, something for Halloween. So we put together Face Your Fear Night at Fort Tabor, here locally in New Bedford. And we put this together as being like, kind of like a combination of the way that Fun 107 would run an event, uh, combined with the way Legend Trips would run an event. And we opened it up, For sale, and two days later it was completely sold out. And everybody was disappointed. Oh, I wish I had known I could have gotten into this. You know, I wish I had known that this was available. By the time I found out about it, the tickets were gone. So we talked about it. We talked about it with the city. We talked about it with the military museum. We made the determination. Let's do it again. Now this, of course, falls hardest on us. Because it takes me a good week or two to recover from a Legend Trips event let alone one that's going to be happening with people who have never been on a paranormal investigation before, pretty much across the board. I mean, we have so many newcomers and, and newbies to investigate in coming to this event. So it's going to be very draining and challenging for us. But we will be doing it again on October 24th. And you can join us. The tickets are available. If you go to WBSM.com or fun 107com you can get the tickets right there on the website for Face Your Fear Night, night 2, uh, October 24th. And because... Jeff Belanger is already booked that night, so it won't be that uh, it's, you know, quote-unquote legend trips that will be running the investigation, although the spooky crew will still be there. Myself, Matt Moniz, Stephanie Burke, Andrew Lake, we'll all be there. But we're bringing on a special guest as well. Amy Bruni, formerly of Ghost Hunters, will be there with us as well. So she'll be taking part in the investigation, and she'll be there hanging out with us all night long as part of Face Your Fear Night at Fort Tabor. Again, all the information is available at WBSM.com. A portion of all the proceeds will benefit the Fort Tabor-Fort Rodman Military Museum Association, and will go toward the restoration efforts of Fort Tabor and Fort, Rod- well, Fort Rodman, really, but uh, to keep that park up and running and to keep it the best that it can be. They're trying to bring everything back now. We have a little bit of a disclaimer that I do have to share with people very quickly. And I feel like I should share this with the Spooky South Coast audience because they know the past events we have done there and the things that we've had happen there. So just want to let you know that with all the wet weather we had last week and with some of the the weather that we've been having lately, that Battery Milliken is not going to be 100% available to us as part of this event. So if you do come... Safety first. Absolutely. Safety Safety for you and for the building. It won't be safe to let you walk into the, you know, the dead center of the building. We will have access to part of it, but uh, you know, as of right now, we're letting you know that it's probably not going to be doable for us to go into all the nooks and crannies of Battery Milliken. So just keep that in mind. However, it's still a, a fantastic night planned. All kinds of stuff going on. Uh, we will have food, we'll have some lectures, we'll have hours of investigating with, again, the Spooky South Coast crew and Amy Bruni of Ghost Hunters all together at Face Your Fear Night 2 coming up on October 24th. So, again, get your tickets from WBSM.com or from Fun107.com. They're not through LegendTrips.com like our tickets normally are, so you have to go to one of those websites in order to take part. And get them fast. Because if it's anything like the last one, they'll be gone in a couple of days. There was something like 180 people on the waiting list for the last event, and if all those people decide to hurry up and buy tickets to this one, you may miss having a your chance. So, and I know a few people that have already purchased tickets and are like, I can't, I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe that you guys are doing it again. <laughs> I thought I missed out on my chance. I thought it was going to be like a, at least another year before I could get in. So they're very excited for the second night, and I wonder, I wonder how many people that are going to the first night are going to try and buy tickets to the second one as well.
1: Hey, never It's know. a
0: possibility. All right, well, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by our guest, Aaron Placinski, the executive producer of The Demon Files, which is coming up on Destination America starting in November. I'm really excited for this show because I hear a lot of people that talk about, you know, the, the work that they do in the paranormal and, and, and the, the way that they try and reach out and help people. But I've never seen somebody that internalizes what they go through in their research as much as Ralph Sarchi does. So I, I'm, I'm very interested in talking with Aaron, who I know uh, has made a close connection with Ralph. And, and I, I want to talk more about uh, what they have plans and, and how they hope to, to tackle the subject of bringing the demonic to television. So we'll talk about all that and more coming up tonight on Spooky South Coast, here on the new 1420 WBSM. Oh. And welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And uh, we have our guest joining us on the line. We have He is the uh, executive producer of the upcoming show The Demon Files. Aaron Plusinski joins us on the line. Good evening, Aaron. How are you? Hey, good
2: evening, guys. I'm great. How are
0: you? Uh, we are spectacular, as we say here. And, and we just had one weird experience, man, when I went to call you. Real weird. Oh, yeah? What, what happened? So, I asked you on the, on the phone, uh, as I was, you know, connecting with you and setting everything up, I asked you the correct pronunciation of your last name. And it, and it is Placinski, right? That's correct. And right after I said that, and I put you on hold, we're running this, you know, the commercials are running on the computer in the background, and it runs a commercial for the United Way, and the person says, my name is whatever his first Alan. name was. Alan, was it Alan? He's yeah. like, my name's Alan Plasinsky." <laughs> that's weird. How common of a name is that 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 that, that would uh, happen? You know, within within literally a half a second, a second of, yeah. of putting you on hold.
2: I, I don't know. I mean, you know, my first name Is spelled weird as well. It's A R O N, and everybody screws it up anyway. So who knows? It's pretty strange, man. It is. Uh, get involved with this stuff, and it's weird.
0: Well, and that's what I'm thinking. You know, the, the the subject matter of what the Demon Files is about probably would have you a little bit on edge. I would assume.
2: You know, when, um, when we got involved in this show, uh, Ralph, Ralph had said very explicitly, you know, if you get involved with this, you're going to be marked for life.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, uh, believe me, uh, even in the little tiny uh, bit that I've been involved in, some of these type of stories, it, it does kind of reach out and grab you. I made the mistake of getting a little bit too deep into Amityville, and yeah. it causes problems for me.
2: <laughs> so, so it, can, it can it can stir up some stuff
0: well i mean you have though you have experience in in working in some of the stranger side of things with your television work but uh, how did you feel when the opportunity came up to work with ralph Sarchi who has become known as a guy who is pretty much a demon magnet
2: um well you, you know it's i've always liked the genre and uh, you know my my colleague and my boss eddie barbini he's uh, really really successful producer and you know he had invited me in to uh to meet and he told me about this project and you know i i had i actually had not heard about ralph i knew about the movie um so when eddie told me about this he's like check it out and i did and i was like oh my gosh this guy's the real deal and then when i actually got to speak with ralph and um you know we started production uh you know my uh my motivation was let's figure out what the heck is going on obviously it's to make a great tv show but uh you know i think everybody on this show that worked on it was also into it for a personal journey and uh, we all want to see what's out there and what's going on
0: it, it's one of those subject matters, too, that if you don't feel yourself and everybody that's involved in the crew, I mean, you have to stand there and think about where you are as a person and, and where you are in your belief system before you can go in, and tackle such a topic. Because, you know, it's one thing if you're Ralph and, and you're going in and, and going up to this face-to-face and, and forcing the belief into you, even if you don't believe in it. And, and anybody that's read Beware the Night knows about his struggle that he went through but when you're you're planning on just making you're just trying to make a living making tv shows and then this opportunity comes and now you have to do a complete and total self-evaluation to find out if you think you're ready mentally and spiritually to face something like this
2: definitely you know but that's one of the things i love about my job is um doing shows with with people who are absolutely legitimate and uh you know and are, are working to make a difference and you know, any of the shows that I've ever worked on have all been passion-driven. I never work on a show that uh, is just a job. It's something I really care about, and, and it grips me in the gut. And this is one of those shows, you know, and it's going to be a good show.
0: So uh, now there's three episodes, right, that are going to be premiering next month on Destination America.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, right now we're looking at November 1st at 10 p.m. on Destination America. The name of the show is Demon is The Demon File. Yep.
0: And now when... You know, this is all coming together. And, and how do you take what Ralph Saatchi does, though, and, and try to uh, form that into a television program? I mean, how do you look and find uh, cases to work on and, and, and the way to properly represent this in a way that is going to... Because a lot of people don't believe in, in the demonic. And, and they're going to be, I, I would assume from, from the stories that I've heard from Ralph, you know, they're going to be total believers by the time they watch the show. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, it was... It was um... You know, just kind of to backtrack, when I was reading Ralph's book, the first thing that struck out to me was, um, you know, he said when he was done, uh, you know, for the day doing his police work, he'd put his badge and his gun down. And when he went out to do the work, which he, you know, he calls his, his job as a demonologist, the work, he said he would pick up his, uh, you know, relic of the true cross and also his holy water. And, you know, and those were his, his weapons against the demonic. So, you know, getting involved with this kind of, of show was, you know, honestly quite thrilling because it's, um, you know, no matter if you believe in it or not, um, it's something that, uh, you know, these stories have been going on since the beginning of time. Since, I mean, since, you know, humanity was sharing stories, there's always been stories of, of good versus evil. It's, it's the oldest, uh, you know, most true-told story in the books. So to hear uh, about this guy and his team that are going out trying to help people and, you know, uh, overcome evil with good is is pretty awesome and a, and a great opportunity uh, to participate with as a storyteller. Uh, and then also, you know, the way these guys operate, it's, it's quite the challenge as well to, uh, you know, to work and film with Ralph because Ralph made, you know, no bare bones about it. If we got in his way as a production crew – he was going to kick us out and it wasn't because ralph was a mean guy or anything mm-hmm. ralph was concerned about our well-being because um he was concerned it might distract them and we could get attacked um and these demons are are uh, you know they're not good they they want nothing else but your soul uh and uh you know they want to put you down and that's that that was what ralph said to us explicitly so you know we really had to uh be professional and, and handle it
0: that way. Well, one of the things that uh when the movie came out, uh, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, one of the things that I was worried about is that Eric Bana wasn't going to be a convincing enough badass uh, as a you know because Ralph's a pretty badass guy. And, yes, he is. <laughs> and now people are going to get the chance to see that kind of uh, firsthand for themselves, and they're going to get to see uh, what he's all about. But he's put together a pretty good team as well.
2: Oh man, I'll tell you, these guys on this on this. Um, I'm not even going to say on this show yet. I mean, on this team, they really are top-notch. You know, I've, I've worked on some other paranormal shows. Uh, I've also, you know, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of a lot of shows, and I really like this team because they all take it so seriously, and they really are all the real deal. And And it's a true passion for theirs, and, and they really want to help people. And so it's, it's just amazing to get to work with them
0: and it seems too like he's he's got people with a lot of experience i mean you know for people that have been working in the paranormal you know some of these names uh but you know they're not people that have been really out there in the spotlight because they're out there doing this work uh all the time and and they're more concerned about going out there and helping people than it is about you know drawing attention to themselves but now they're all putting themselves out there as being potential targets for these demonic entities
2: yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's another part though, of, of this show that really appealed to me when I started working on it is every single one of these people, they don't care about being on television. You know, they, uh, they would just as, as rather walk um, if something were to get in their way, if, if it was going to distract them from their, their mission, which is to, uh, to help people. I keep on saying that, but it's true. So it was amazing to work with all these folks who have integrity who are, uh, you know, who walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, You know, they're they're very professional, and, um, you know, they do it all the time. And uh, so it was very neat to watch their operation and then to be able to work with them and, uh, you know, and tell the story.
0: Now, what's interesting about this is that uh, the Demon Files will premiere next month, and that's coming on the heels of Destination America's uh, Exorcism Live, which is coming up uh, with Chip coffee and, and they'll be actually going to the uh, the, the St. Louis house that the exorcist story originally took place in uh, along with the guys from the Tennessee Wraith Chasers from Ghost Asylum they're delving into the, par- into the demonic realm uh, with that project as well. I'm wondering and obviously you know, you're not a paranormal investigator yourself but you are right. involved in this. You know people that are involved in this. Do you think that these cases these demonic cases are on the rise and, uh, and do you think that maybe p- putting attention to them like this might actually uh, cause them to increase as well?
2: You, you know, I um, it, it's it's tough to say. I mean, you know, if you if you look at quantum physics, or you know, or the law of attraction, you know, they always say what you visualize or create is, is going to manifest. Or, you know, or uh, you know, proof of positive of thinking and positive talk is going to manifest that. I honestly don't know, but you know, it seems like there are a lot of people who are professionals at what they do getting involved in this work. Um, and and going out there in search of the paranormal to try to help people. And, you know, there must be a reason they're so busy out there, so I can't see why, why uh, you know, maybe things are on the rise, because these people are obviously on shows, and people at home are doing it as well. You never know.
0: And I think, too, that uh, part of it is that when you – shine a light on things, too. It, it, it opens people's eyes to realize. And I'm sure that this is something that you had to go through a little bit, too. Like, uh, as, as you're working on this, your eyes are getting opened to the fact that this stuff's around us a lot more than I thought that it was.
2: Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There was some weird stuff that happened, uh, you know, to some of the crew, uh, to myself when we were involved with this. Um, you know, we were very open with with hiring people, That, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is a show that, uh, involves, you know, demonology and, um, you know, we're, we're handling it from a professional standpoint and safety is our first priority for everyone. Um, but you gotta wonder what the heck are you getting into, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would almost say that for me, I don't have a firm enough, and, I, you know, Moniz, my co-host here, he's gone on demonic cases. He's investigated demonic cases. He's asked me to go along with him so that I could have that experience. And I don't think that I'm in a spiritually good enough place that I could ever do that. I don't have any really type of belief system. And I feel that like that would actually make me vulnerable more than it would make me, uh, you know, less likely to, quote, unquote, fall for what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get possessed if I don't believe in it, right? But I feel like yeah. that wouldn't be the case. Right.
2: Well, once you're, once you're in a room with Ralph Satchi and uh... – you see how he works. Trust me, you're going to feel pretty darn safe at, at, at anything that goes on because uh, Ralph and uh, Mark and the rest of his team are bulldogs. But I'm telling you, when Ralph gets in there and starts doing what he does, uh, you want him at the front of the room and you want him to be on your back if, if a bully ever comes up and starts giving you crap. Now, how does he. He's a th- tough son of a gun.
0: <laughs> well, absolutely, but How does this work, though? Because one of the things that I think, and we talked about this a little bit uh, during the week here, but one of the things that I think is a, an issue with a lot of the paranormal television shows now is when they are dealing with people. You know, you see a lot of these shows that are going into abandoned places. You know, the ones that I work on, they, they, they prefer to go into abandoned places because there are no people to have to worry about. You know, mm-hmm. you aren't just going in there for a night causing whatever problems and then leaving and leaving them stuck to deal with it with the nature of the cases that you're focusing on in this, you can't just go in there, do the shoot, make the episode, go home and forget about the people. Because the people are, 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 are so, um, just so emotionally crippled by what's going on with them that, that you have to feel for them, and you have to want to give them more support than just showing up and filming an episode.
2: That's absolutely the case. You know, when Ralph, Ralph always vets these cases, you know, and then if he, if he uh, approves. That's when he goes ahead and does the handoff to us when with the, you know, the production side where we can start to talk to these families, learn a little bit more, and also start to coordinate the shoots. But I'm telling you, these stories on paper are, are right up there with the Amityville Horror, right up there with The Conjuring. I mean, these folks were in desperate need of help. And honestly, they, they were so relieved when they could talk to us and, and we weren't judging them because, you know, we've – We've dealt with this kind of stuff before as producers. But these people were like children who had been wronged by an adult. They were afraid to talk about it. It's like they were being abused every day because, honestly, in their world, they were. You know, these folks were being growled at every morning, scratched. Uh, These folks were, um, you know, tugged on in bed. They were constantly aggravated. They uh, weren't sleeping a lot. You know, and and I'm not talking about, like, crazy folks. These are all next-door neighbor Mom and pop, all American families, good people that really needed help. So, you know, getting involved with this and, and really understanding what was going on, you know, your heart goes out to these folks. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing that we were able to, to tell the story of what Ralph and his team does.
0: See, now we take on, you know, we're not a team here with Spooky South Coast. We're not a paranormal team. But we, we do pass things off to local teams. Moniz is out investigating all the time. You know, we will be part of investigations from time to time, but I'm reluctant to take on a lot of cases sometimes, because you hear stories about people that just want to get on TV. And when people come right. at me with their hauntings, that's what I hear all the time. It's like, oh, i got a great story that would be great for Ghost Asylum or great for Ghost Talkers, or you know, maybe you can hook me up with the TAPS guys or something and they can come and film a show at my house. That's what we always hear. Was it kind of right. the opposite with some of the, the cases that you were taking on? Did you have to convince them that TV was an okay thing? Honestly,
2: it was completely the opposite. You know, these folks um, really... Really reached out to the paranormal uh, community for help, and you know a lot of different uh, paranormal teams came in and did investigation, and did the best that they could to help these folks out. But something darker was in these homes, and when they finally had uh, reached out to Ralph or however they got in touch, um, and and made the decision to go through this, it it was only because. Um, they were mentally in a good place as a family, you know, through seeking therapy and whatever else. Mentally, these folks were in a good place, but yet something else was going on. And so having Ralph get involved with this to help out, um, you know, they were like another, you know, this wasn't like another, um, paranormal team coming in to investigate. This was, this was the, the riffraff squad coming in to kick ass and take some names, you know, and hopefully help these people out and, and, and get rid of, the evil or the darkness, whatever was in that house, you
0: know? Now, I know that no matter what happens uh, with, with the Demon Files, you know, Ralph, this is his calling. This is what he's going to be out doing. Uh, this is his work, as you said. But uh, with the three episodes that are coming up, is this hopefully just the teaser of things to come? But, you know, obviously we need everybody to tune in and bring in some big numbers to convince uh, the network that we need to see more of this. But, I mean, is that, is that kind of uh, the approach? Is that, you know, hopefully this is going to lead to more down the line?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, everybody that worked on this show, I mean, this is from network, um, you, you know, to all the way down to, uh, the producers, all the way down to the, to the production assistants. You know, everybody that did this, this was a passion because what Ralph does is the real deal. What his team does is the real deal. And to work on a show that not only is going to be entertaining and, and scare you, it's out to, uh, to really see what's going on out there, and and into a world that's completely different, and um, and it's and it's dark, um. But you know, this show isn't also just all negative and dark, and you know, going to scare you. These guys are also really good characters. They're funny. They're lighthearted. They're relatable. you know, these are guys you could sit down and you know have a Sunday dinner with, or you know, go out and have a beer with at the end of the day. You know, so they're, they're just like any one of us. And um, you know, and that's what I really like about them. So yeah, we, we uh we're all in high hopes that uh the fans are gonna enjoy this show and they're gonna want more and you know, and I, I personally think they will. I'm very excited about this show because it is different. You know, this, this show is just not your typical show that it looks like every other show that's out there right now. There are bits and, and pieces that are different and I think the viewers and the fans are really gonna appreciate that and embrace it.
0: And, and it's nice when you can do that, when you can make what you hope is an entertaining show for people, but also it's making a difference and it's helping people at the same time.
2: Oh, man, it's, it's wonderful. You know, there's nothing better. And, and, you know, every show, every job, you know, from Ralph's team, every every job, uh, well, not job, but every every sort of mission that they go on to help these people. And then from my place, with you know, with the job or the work that we're doing, there always are these challenges, but I think that's what's so fulfilling and being able to get them done, being able to film them in such low light situations, and being able to tell this story without getting in Ralph or his team's way—you know—that's a pretty big deal, you know. And so we're really psyched about it.
0: One of the things that I always hear about is that when you uh, work with Ralph, you know, some—he he has a grace about him uh and and that grace kind of rubs off on everybody else and 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 do you get the feeling that you know with with the team that's involved in the production that some of ralph's grace is rubbed off on all of you
2: oh yeah ralph ralph's grace is you know he is a tough son of a gun uh but when he lets down that wall he he is a sweetheart and he'll probably kick my butt for saying that but he's a really (laughs) he's a he's a heck of a good guy and you know, and he's one of those guys that leads from the front. He's, he's not going to be sitting back going, hey, guys, go set that up. He's right there with everybody, you know, getting his hands and his, and his feet dirty, doing it all.
0: And and it's funny because uh, you know when when I was talking with him about coming on the show, he's like, well, I, I'm going to have you talk to Aaron. And I wrote back to him, was like, oh, I just talked to him. He's a great guy, and he's like, I told you, like you know, like <laughs> like I should like I should question his character judgment of somebody. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely, people should tune in for this anyway, just to see the the real life Ralph Sarchi Ralph Sarch, and see the way that he takes this work so seriously, in the, and and hopefully uh, it will show people that you know there is there's more to investigating and exploring the darker side of this too than just showing up and spouting a bunch of stuff off that you read in a book or read on a website i mean this is a, a life's work that you have to take completely seriously because you're dealing not only with whatever might be causing all this problem but you're dealing with the psyche of the people that are involved at the same time
2: yeah you're you're absolutely right and this you know this world you know to these people it exists it's it's real you, you know these, these people wake up and, and just as, as real as the oxygen they're breathing, these things are going on. You know, I mean, there are, there are places that I don't, you know, I've never really been to except for working with Ralph and some other personal experiences that I've had in my life that sometimes you go to and you just can't explain what the heck just happened. You know, and I'll tell you right now, the way these guys investigated these cases, the, uh, you know, everything is, is approached, you know, as, as a police officer because Ralph, that's what Ralph came from. So the way they connect the dots and, and the phenomena that comes up and the actual footage and evidence that comes up, you know, I, I just don't know what to think about it. You, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I mean, stuff is moving around. You know, when we were filming, you know, we heard growls, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, legitimate growls. I called the family when I first, one of the families when I first started this to introduce myself. And when I was done, my phone growled for 30 seconds. I had to manually shut down my cell phone, reboot it. I called them back, and she's like, you shouldn't call here anymore. We're going to have to talk off-site because they can hear us. And that's the sound that, that I wake up to every morning, and I'm like are you sure that's not a dog? And she was like, that's what I, I wake up to every morning, and we've lost a lot of friends that way. Wow. And that's just the, the start of it, you
0: know? Wow, so that's a, a great teaser for people to tune in, starting on Sunday, November 1st at 10 p.m., Destination America, The Demon Files. Uh, definitely want to thank our guest tonight, Aaron Placinski, for joining us. Aaron, we're looking forward to this. We're looking forward to seeing uh, Ralph in action and, and seeing you know, the real badass behind uh, the story that everybody knows.
2: Awesome. Well, hey, you guys, thanks for having us, and you know, thank you kindly um, uh, for promoting the show, and, and we hope everybody out there loves it, and, and please write in and, and let the network know how much you like it because we'd love to make many more and, and keep on uh, helping people out and telling this story and, and entertaining you as well.
0: I get a feeling we'll be talking when the next season debuts.
2: Awesome, man. Well, you guys have a great night, and thanks again for taking the time.
0: You as well. Take care.
2: Thank you kindly.
0: Bye-bye. And that is, again, Aaron Placinski, He is the executive producer of the upcoming show, The Demon Files. And, uh, again, it's happening Sunday, November 1st, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Destination America. Tune in, watch it, live tweet. I'll be watching it live. I'll be sharing my thoughts about it as it goes on. So join in the live tweeting, and uh, and ex- hopefully Destination America will see right from the start. The this, I can tell you this, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff. They've gone from... When you pitch them a possible demonic case to them saying, gee, I don't know, you know, people really don't, uh, you know, and we got to kind of convince people. And, and, and to now when something comes up, they'll be like, well, how can we help? And for a television network to say we can make a difference here, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And that shows that they're doing it with the right in- intention. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back after the news with more Spooky South Coast right here on WBSM.
3: WBSM.
0: Tower number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Mooney Stephanie Burke, and the silent assassin both have the night off, and uh, we are talking about the paranormal. That's what we do here each and every Saturday night, and you can always download the archives as well on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. We have over 10 years. Of archi- Well, almost 10 years almost. Of, ar- of archives available for you free of charge from iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. We also have tons of videos up on YouTube. And, of course, we broadcast each and every week live here on WBSM and also rebroadcast on the Dark Matter Radio Network, Art Bell's Dark Matter Radio Network. And, uh, and Art's going to join us at some point somewhere down the line. He's already, I've I've talked to him about it. He said that, you know, right now he's still kind of trying to get back in the flow of doing Monday through Friday radio. And that when he feels like he has a handle on it all, he'll come on and join us. And I'm geeking out even just saying that because (laughs) I do what I do because he did what he did. And and that's kind of the way that I've always approached it. And that's why we're so honored to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network uh, and for Art and Keith to feel like we are, Worthy, really yeah. worthy is the only way to put it, of, uh, of being able to to be there and fit in with Art's vision of what he thinks his network should be. So thank you for having us, and thank you to everybody that listens to us on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Uh, but, of course, we're here live every Saturday night on Spooky TV on SpookySouthCoast.com as we broadcast on the WBSM airwaves, although we won't be here for the next two weeks. Yeah, busy busy month. Face Your Fears Night at Fort Tabor uh, on both October 17th and October 24th. The 17th is sold out, the 24th. There are still tickets available, wbsm.com, if you want to get your tickets. If I can do a little shameless self-promotion right now uh, for the week that I have coming up, I'm all over the place for the rest of the month. Uh, You can see me on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. at the Truro Library. Wow, that's going to be a ride. Well, wait a minute now, because then on the 14th, I'll be here in New Bedford for a special class at Amy Bruni's Strange Escapes offices, uh, one of her Strange Education offerings. Uh, We're going to be talking about old-school ghost hunting versus new-school ghost hunting, Uh, using some of the older stuff like dowsing rods and, and Ouija boards and personal experiences and legend-tripping aspects of it as compared to walking around with all the bells and whistles that uh, you see going out there today now. So that will be happening on Wednesday. You can get your tickets from strange-escapes.com. You have to pay to get into this class, but you also get to investigate the building afterwards with Amy and I as well as part of it. So definitely well worth the price of admission. Then on Thursday, the 15th, I'm at the Austerville Public Library. That's going to be an early one, though. That's at 4 p.m. So if you you know if you want to be able to still get out and do some Halloween time things at night, you can come and see me in Austerville at four PM. And then coming up next week, the week after that on the 20th, I'm in Lakeville. The 21st, I'm in Middleborough. The 22nd, I'm in Carver. So I have, you know, a yeah. short ride. <laughs> short ride that week, less miles on the vehicle that that week. And then coming up on the 27th, I'll be in Provincetown. On the 28th, I'll be doing a special event here in Fairhaven at the Hastings Middle School. So all of you Hastings Middle School parents and, and, and people who are uh, have children in the Fairhaven public school system, they send something home with everybody about how you can get tickets to that event and, and come out and check it all out. And then on the 29th, is going to be a huge event. That is An Evening of Ghost Stories and New England Legends happening at the Stadium Theater in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. You just saw it on Ghost Hunters this past week. Well, now you can come and see the show that everybody is talking about, the Evening of Ghost Stories and New England Legends program. Uh, The PBS show will be coming up soon, too, as well, kind of the making of the first performance of that. You'll get your chance to see kind of all the the behind-the-scenes stuff that went on, plus a little bit of the show itself. But you can see the show in its entirety by going to stadiumtheater.com and getting your tickets before they are gone. And it, it's going to be one of those nights I can already tell where, uh, you, you know, the the Stadium Theater being very haunted, I already know that when we go there and we start telling these stories and showing Frank Grace's photos on the gigantic screen there, we're going to be stirring up whatever is in that theater. It's going to happen. And we're just going to have to accept it and... and, and Except as being part of the show, I guess, so no guarantees that it 'll happen, but I, I just i 'm starting to get that feeling
1: well, being with you on many investigations and locations, you have a tendency of making things get stirred up
0: yeah, I try I mean I try to make sure that uh, if things are happening, you know they 'll happen for us, but at the same time, you can never really no. guarantee it, but we we have a pretty good success rate i 'd have to say. And, uh, and even the tavern last week, you know, I, 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 you know, things weren't really rolling at first, but by the end of the night, stuff was was going pretty good. <laughs> it's
1: a night I won't forget.
0: And uh, and of course, if you want to come out and join us for the next couple of Saturday nights at Fort Tabor, again, we can't promise you a ghost; we can only promise you a good time. But some very very haunted buildings that we'll be uh, involved with uh, for those two nights. So definitely check that out. So there's our little promotion. Portion of the show, you know, some of the listeners out there have uh, have actually been reviewing the podcast, and I've, I've I've gotten a few emails, and they feel like we, we do a little bit too much promotion and not enough discussion on the show.
1: We're busy people, but okay.
0: So I feel like for the rest of the night now, I would like to really have a, a good in-depth discussion about some of the stuff that we talked about with Aaron Placinski in the last hour. I want to talk about some of these demonic cases because as I said there's a lot of investigators out there that are saying that they experience this all the time but then you have somebody who will say well you know I, I don't think this I think maybe 1% of this stuff is demonic if even that and uh, so there's, there's kind of an imbalance there in the reports that people are giving and I don't know if it's that people are misunderstanding what is happening with the activity that they're documenting maybe it's that it just seems Bad, And so they equate bad with being evil, and they equate evil with it has to be demonic. You've experienced a few demonic cases uh, during your time. You say it's a very limited number.
1: Handful. I mean, when I say rare, it is definitely rare. I've been doing this close to now 30 years, and I can count on maybe one hand. and and all that time of something that I would consider or what would be considered by most people as being demonic
0: and would you say that uh, when you do encounter those there is a a very strong distinction right from the beginning or is it something that comes through over the process of the researching and the investigating of the case Uh,
1: with my particular uh, occurrences I was brought in at you'll You could basically say the height of when these things were happening. I mean, you walk in and you're hearing what sounds like, in one particular case, it sounded like a herd of pigs in the room and things just moving around, like a couch in particular that got my undivided attention just slid across the the room. And there was nobody in it, nobody near it. It wasn't fishing lines. And, you know, it's... When you see stuff like that happening, as well as all of the, the palpable, uh, fear and dread in the people that are involved and stuff like that, it it, get, it gets your attention. You realize, you know, okay, this isn't just somebody having, you know, a mental breakdown. This isn't somebody just, you know, having, you know, some sort of reaction to a medication or, uh, you, a mental illness. This is something serious that's going on with this person that isn't them per se.
0: And and the problem with it too is, like, you know, when people come at you with these cases that they feel are are demonic, you know, you want to help. As we were talking about with Aaron and, and Ralph Sarchi's work, you know, you want to be there to, to be that support system for them, and you want to be there to help. But what can you do when you know you don't feel that it's something like that, but but they still insist that it is because to some people. In their belief system, anything paranormal has to be something from the devil.
1: Well, that goes back to the old days when people would label anything they didn't understand as something supernatural or something from the devil. Um, A lot of science was called, you know, works of the devil until we, you know, found out it's just part of natural processes. So, yeah, do I think that, you know, evil... Angels were cast down from heaven. I can't say that it didn't happen, but you know, my rational mind says, you know, there are things that I don't understand yet and that science doesn't understand yet that happen because I've witnessed them along with other people. You know, I can't say it didn't happen because we were there and a lot of stuff recorded on video and audio, which isn't, you know, influenced by, by a prejudice. So.
0: But, but then, you know, we've had this debate before on the show, too, that uh, a lot of people feel like because there is good that exists in the world, there has to be evil.
1: Both of those are subjective.
0: Your, you viewpoint, to, exactly. yeah,
1: to quote Morticia Adams, what is natural for the spider is chaos for the fly. So
0: I, I feel like those, you know, who are, you know, the truly sick individuals that we've we've seen a lot of in the news lately, you know, to them, they're not evil. They They... They don't see what they're doing as evil. And so if that's not evil to them and it is to us, well then it's it's not evil. It's just our perception of it. Right. If, if it's evil it would be universally evil. You know, and if it's good, it would be Big universally e good. instead
1: of little e. And,
0: and I, I, I I agree. I think that it's it's one of those things where yes, there is that side of things, but and, and I think that there can be a a physical or a spiritual manifestation of those things. But I just don't I, I don't buy into the whole storyline and the hierarchy of it all. You know, I think that's kind of a lot of man-made stuff yeah, that we that, put on it.
1: That's the labels we put on it so we can discuss things like what we're doing now. It, it, it's just a, it, it's a convenience for us. We're able to articulate it back and forth because we put that, you know, labeling or painted it that color. We, You know, we can both look at it and say, yeah, that's red.
0: I mean, I want to throw – but red to you is different than red to, to me. me. Right. Like, I, I, Obviously, I have no other word to describe it except red. But – To me, it it could look like a completely different shade than it does to you. Right. You know, your red could be my green and vice versa. But one of the things that, uh, and I want to throw the phone lines open for anybody that wants to call in. If you've had an experience with what you feel is a negative or a possibly demonic entity, give us a call, 508-996-0500. Your X is
1: not included in this.
0: Right, yeah. Let it be something at least remotely paranormal. Uh, 877-996-1420 is the toll-free number. Uh, now, if you would like to share anonymously, that's perfectly fine. We don't have to ask your name. Uh, you don't have to share with us. If you're an investigator and it's a case that you had, that's fine as well. Uh, just, we, you know, I just want to kind of get a discussion going so we can realize just how prevalent this is uh, through our listening audience. But I do feel that when these things pop up, I mean, again, even the evil nature of what it is that you're dealing with, is subjective to what you can handle and what you feel is being thrown at you and and the reason why. Everybody's going to try to rationalize paranormal activity that takes place into some sort of a narrative. Well, that's not a bad thing to do. No, but I mean, like, I'm I'm saying that they're trying to put it into, uh, you know, something might happen. Let's just say, you know, a door slams and they hear a growl. And they're going to say, well, that means they want us to leave. But that doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that they knew that that would be something that would get their attention, or that might be all they could manifest.
1: No, yeah, I see what you're saying. But if you've ever been to some of these more, I'll I'll call them profound rather than real, more more profound cases, uh, when you hear these vocalizations that come out of these people's mouths like, How are they making a chorus, you know, come out of their mouth at a volume that, you know, a a trained tenor or, you know, opera singer would have a hard time hitting with all of these multiple levels of, you know, uh, male, female voices intermixed. Like I said, it's, it's hard to describe unless you've actually been to some of this. And some of the intimate knowledge of particular people in the room uh i remember very vividly at one particular case where this i'll call it thing uh was describing something another person had done when they were younger in minute detail and i literally watched the blood drain out of this person's you know face not so much, literally, like blood came out of them, but it's, they were just shocked that that whatever it was was able to know those little intimate secrets about this person that he he never told. And and when they get into that realm of your into your own head, it it gets unnerving. It
0: seriously gets unnerving. I, I, i don 't ever want to put myself in a position where I feel like I could be detrimental to the help of the people that are involved, but I feel like one of these cases that 's where I would be at. you know I would be there probably out of curiosity more than anything else and and I would probably be the one the weak link in the room uh, in terms of my beliefs and, and the way that I could process it and the way that I could handle it it doesn 't mean that i wouldn 't want to see it, but I just I, I know that I would be probably doing more harm than good and it would probably make no sense for me to be there and be involved in it but then again you know some people will feel like that makes them the perfect person to go up against this because they don't have any belief system in it so to them it's either just uh, somebody who has some sort of mental affliction or maybe they're willing to accept the idea of paranormal activity and it's just you know paranormal activity that's taken a, a, a bad turn uh so for them you know they feel like they can just waltz in and and handle the situation being with your mindset your belief what do you feel is actually more likely to happen if you walk into that in that type of a position do you feel like you have to be uh spiritually and 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 to some degree morally strong to be able to handle what you see and what you feel or do you just have to be kind of grounded in who you are and what you believe personally
1: i think definitely grounded in who you are um i can tell you from like i said the limited cases i've dealt with and the way that i saw these things interact any weak link that you have in yourself or in the group it's going to focus on it starts at the the easiest the lowest hanging fruit and works its way up to the person that is you know the strongest and it's trying to divide always trying to divide it it's trying to isolate divide and if it can, it'll try and pit one one person against another to, you know, deflect. Um, if you have a good handle on yourself, it's not that much of, um, a, 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 I'll call it a challenge for for it to to do anything with. Because if you're you're collected in your own thoughts and stuff like that, and you don't give it an opportunity, it's not going to really go after you it's looking for weakness and it wants to exploit weakness
0: well uh, i think we have somebody on the line who has uh, dealt with this uh, more so than we have Uh, good evening around spooky south coast how are you Good
3: evening, Tim. How are you guys doing tonight?
0: We are spectacular, and of course, we are talking with Keith Johnson, who has way more experience in this subject matter than either of us do. And, and Keith, I don't know if you caught any of the beginning of the show, but we were talking with Aaron Placinski, who is the executive producer of the new Ralph Sarchi TV show, The Demon Files, and, and everybody knows Ralph as being the New York City police detective who has gone on to having to battle the demonic. Have you ever come across Ralph in any of your in any of your work?
3: i've just um, I've seen reference to him and um, I've seen him online. I haven't had the pleasure to communicate with him uh, as of yet or work with him um, but I would certainly like to
0: well i mean he's something that we've talked about with you in the past and, and he certainly seems to be of the same mindset is that once you put yourself into this world into this realm you know and, and, and once this this world of the demonic knows who you are, you're in it. And there's no escaping it after that. It's, it's going to keep coming up again and again. And, and that seems to have been the theme throughout your work as well.
3: Yes. Yes, this is true. Um, I do believe that once you step into that realm that you are watched and you are monitored. And uh, as unpleasant as that sounds, I believe there are also positive spirits that watch you and uh, watch over you as well once you have stepped into that sphere and that uh, you are watched basically by both sides both sides of the coin you're being watched and uh, you're also being guided and protected as well so um of course that doesn't mean that we should uh, jump into situations foolishly and uh, just start you know yelling and provoking and uh, just just to get an effect but uh yes i do believe that you are watched and that you do get signs that you are being watched um really seemingly coincidental but uh they become uncannily real after a while you know that you are not alone you know that you are being watched and that uh your movements even your thoughts are being monitored in some way and um yeah so so you do get that that sense that there is another realm out there and you are a part of it now and um you can't really escape it um but, of course, if you use that knowledge to, uh, to uh, in an altruistic pur- purpose to help others uh, work on the side of God, our Creator, then um, I believe you will be guided and you will be watched over by positive spirits, angelic spirits as well.
0: So you're able to, I mean, I, I look at it like this, y- you know... Um it 's almost like once you have that ability to to uh, once you have that situation in your life where you 're in that realm, I look at it almost as if uh, when somebody is awakened to having you know psychic abilities or, or, or mediumship abilities where you know it 's always around you and you have to learn how to live your life now with it. so you have to learn how to live your life with one foot in the demonic world because now you have to start second guessing everything that happens to you and, and second guessing all of the situations that you get involved in is is it that world putting pressure on, on my existence?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes,
3: and uh, that, that's that's true. That uh, you do get uh, immersed in it, and you do get involved. You do have one foot in the demonic world, so to speak. At least the uh, awareness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people it just happens to because uh, sometimes because of a sometimes a traumatic traumatic uh, incident in their life will somehow bring them over to this. Sometimes it's even head trauma. And um, I had a a good friend, a dear friend, uh, Chris Angelo, who was a member of the Atlantic Paranormal Society along with uh, Sandra and myself uh, some years ago. And he was in a car accident, and he received a severe concussion. Because of that, he seemed to have developed a second sight. And he could uh tell when spirits were around; he could tell if they were positive or negative he just he just seemed to have that sight and uh, we worked very well together um, because of that he was very, very aware of that spiritual aspect and you know of course, unfortunately, we lost Chris in uh, two thousand three in um, November second two thousand three. He was only twenty two years old, but uh in the short time we knew each other and worked together uh we Developed a very very close friendship, and uh, he was a wonderful person. But he did seem to have that that second sight because of his head trauma, which which he didn't possess before beforehand. And uh, sometimes we're just led into it. Sometimes it's a sudden sudden thing. Sometimes it just seems to be um, to meant to be. But if somebody feels drawn to that, uh, I would advise them to make sure it's for the right purpose. That um, it's it's not just for the Thrill of it, although it can be very, very interesting dealing with the spirit realm. But if they're feeling that they're drawn to investigate the um, the demonic realm, or just just it's it's better to to go into it with a purpose that you're trying to do some good, you're trying to alleviate people of fears, and um, you're going to use that knowledge to help people. Because if you once you step into it, you are going to be monitored. You are going to be watched and you have to be very, very careful uh, with how you, um, how you relate to other people and how you're going to relate to the spirit world as well.
0: Well, I think we accidentally, and I didn't mean this in any way, but I think we accidentally kind of uh, brought into this discussion something that we've kind of avoided for the last couple of weeks, last couple of shows, but I should insert it here, I think. There's a lot of people that have been discussing within the paranormal community about what happened with Mark and Debbie Constantino, and and they've been blaming this as being the result of being involved in this field and that you know you you push around the darker side and the darker side will push back. And I've been kind of telling people to just, hey, leave the paranormal out of it because this is a crime between two people. This is a, a situation that happened between two human beings that would have happened no matter what they did but I mean you also know a little bit more about this subject matter than I do for sure do you feel like maybe that was a possibility
3: i I do not feel that it caused their situation um, as you said it it uh, was something that seemed to be trailing in that in that direction anyway
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, a volatile situation erupted uh, very very tragically tragic results uh, I think its could have had some effect, being so immersed and involved in the uh, paranormal realm, paranormal research as they were. It it could have there could have been something negative that influenced, but I do not think that's what caused that at all. Um, just as if somebody has a um, an addiction, it's not the demonic realm that causes that addiction. It's just that when somebody is at their weakest point or very vulnerable, if they have been involved if they have been close to the demonic realm the demonic can sometimes kind of push them It can't force them to do it unless somebody is actually obviously demonically possessed which is extremely extremely rare but um it can sometimes uh push people in a certain direction kind of like a negative friend like a negative friend that's uh giving negative advice and always uh pretending to be a friend but really uh, trying to put you down and and uh bring you down a dark path and i i think the demonic realm could have been involved but uh, certainly i do not think that the demonic realm caused this tragedy and um you know of course we we pray for their families and we pray for mark and debbie as well um they were um you know they were going to be guests on on our show ghost on Near and um Unfortunately, this this tragedy happened, and um, but we pray for their families, and we pray for them as well.
0: And, and I do apologize for, well. for I apologize for putting you on the spot for. I know some people have chosen not to comment on that situation, and we we've, we've tried to do that as well. Uh, but I am seeing, I mean, all the things that are going on in the world today, all the news that we're seeing. It, you know evil exists, and uh, and I think it exists more in humans inside of them than it does outside of them with all these shootings these these mass shootings that we 've had uh, and and of course, we had a story here that really opened my eyes here in in uh, on the south coast that really opened my eyes to just how easily people can can give in to that evil side of their nature with everything that was going on with Conrad Roy. Uh, the, the young man who was pushed into uh, committing suicide by his friend michelle carter and and she was telling him over texts like how to do it and and asking him why haven 't you done it yet and when you read the text, you realize evil does exist, and it can exist in the seventeen year old girl
3: yes that that is very very sad, very unfortunate that I mean to exist like that in a seventeen year old girl and um, and and of course it 's not always The demonic, but is the analogy I was making that um, just as um, a spirit can influence you, so can um, so can your so-called friends sometimes. uh, Somebody can pick on your weaknesses, keep pushing you into a different direction, and I mean peer pressure, pressure of close friends um, can can have a great great influence on somebody. And if a person has a certain predilection for a destructive behavior or something negative, certainly they can be influenced. Just like somebody can can influence somebody very positively in a positive direction. But those examples are very very tragic. And and you're right, Tim. We are seeing this more and more. It's it's sad to be saying, but it, it is becoming commonplace. I mean, it's like uh, what is it? Once a month? Once every two months? Something like this seems to be happening and getting into the national news and um it's just an important unfortunate turn of events and evil is out there uh evil is within people and um there is evil on a spiritual realm as well and of course there's a lot of good as well in the spiritual realm and the human realm as well
1: is it really that evil is being becoming more prevalent or is it just because of our mass media and the way that you know everything can hit everybody instantly now these days because we're also connected to our phones, which now seem to be like a natural appendage. Is it, oh, is it that yes. you understand what I'm saying? Is, are we really having more evil things or more bad things happening? Or is it just that we're finding out about them more readily?
3: I think the media is exposing to us uh, more and more readily. You're, you're absolutely right, Matt, about that. And, um, course there's been experiments lately where uh some people had to live without a cell phone uh one one uh, gentleman went into a deep depression and he just he just lost his his touch on reality until his cell phone was given back to him after uh, 30 days or so and uh or maybe it was more like a week i think it was more like a week and he just uh, and he revived as soon as his cell phone was handed back to him he he totally went back to his normal self but yes, we are being more, uh, exposed to this in the media. And I think it tends to desensitize people. And, and unfortunately you get, uh, copycat perpetrators that, uh, they hear about this in the news and they want to just pitch onto it and, and become part of that. Um, you know, and resulting, often resulting in tragedies. But yes, we are hearing about it more and more. And, um, so I think that's, uh, people say, you know, saying, well, somebody else is doing this. I guess I guess I can do it too. So that does inf- have an influence on certain unstable individuals as well.
1: That was my point. If, you know, before back in the day you didn't hear as much about this or that because they didn't really report it because it was days old. You know, you might get a yeah. blurb. Now now one thing happens and it's everywhere.
0: Well, and and the other problem is that creates more of a copycat effect right. as well
1: right exactly that that was my point because more people hear about it. oh, here's a way for me to you know make myself famous, as Keith was saying.
0: Well, one of the things too that you you mentioned uh keith on on Facebook when you were discussing this with Chris is you said that you feel like all all paranormal activity has some element of the demonic involved in it.
3: Yes, yes, I do, and uh, you know of course, uh, a lot of people would disagree with that. But I do think where there's, there's that opening, that uh, the demonic does have a background in it. It's lurking in the background. If it's not up in the uh, forefront, then it's lurking in the background. Uh, that's not to say that the uh, demonic realm is omniscient and uh, has all power and all influence, but it is watching. It is watching from the uh, sidelines is watching through the curtain and uh, looking for openings and monitoring. I do think with, um, with haunting activity that the demonic, if it's not right out there, then it is involved in some way. And um, I just believe that's the nature of the beast. And when there's a portal opened, that the demonic are there waiting to jump in at their earliest convenience.
0: So is, then, if I'm, you know, just say I'm sitting at home one night and I feel like my, you know, well, I, I actually see I'm sitting on my couch today, for example, and my deceased grandmother walks into the room and 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 wants to just, you know, say hi and 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 wave to me and then dissipate again. But there's there's some sort of demonic, uh, you know, lurking in the shadows associated with that.
3: Well, that's not necessarily um, that's not necessarily a haunting because okay. uh, the spirit is not you know trapped there remaining. And um, I do believe uh, in, Sandra and I both believe in a uh, transition apparition or transition phenomena that can occur where um, through some mysterious uh, process, God allows a um, deceased loved one to come through and just let us know that they're all right. And, uh, of course, you know, there's all theories about why this, this happens. But if it's something that's continual and it's something that's um, trying to, uh, for instance, a shadow person, somebody has uh, recently contacted me who's having a problem with um, a shadow figure in their family, and this seems to be a harbinger. It's a harbinger that uh, when somebody's about to um, to pass away, then this appears, or somebody's just died, then the shadow person appears. But um, that I do not think is a good situation. It's not a good situation. It's, um, it's not really warning them. It's, uh, just telling them the inevitable and it's, uh, making its presence known. The shadow figure is making its presence known more and more. It wants to be noticed and, um, it, it doesn't seem to be bringing any kind of comfort or anything to the family. It, it is there. And in a situation like that, I do believe that the demonic is involved. Something like that. Well, I, mean, and, uh,
0: yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you've had a, a lot of experience in both researching these cases and being involved with some of the aspects of, of television production. And one of the mm-hmm. questions that we had for uh, Aaron Plazinski earlier was, will putting a television spotlight on The Demonic with a show like The Demon Files, will that lead to a rise in this happening? Is this feeding into whatever this negative force draws on?
3: Depends how it's portrayed. It uh, totally depends on it, how it's portrayed. If it's um, shown as something very uh, attractive and appealing, then, uh, yes, it will give rise to uh, further openings. People will be a- attracted to um, playing or dealing with the uh, demonic activity. But if it's shown for what it is and a realistic portrayal, I think that could be very helpful. Um as you know, as opposed to desensitizing people with showing um, like horrific aspects, but uh, showing the more more realistic aspects of it and how it affects people, and um, how it can uh, really work in a person to bring a person down, and the dangers, the um, the the real, very real, acute dangers of something like this of uh, demonic activity. So it, it does pretend. It depends on how it's portrayed. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing if it portrays it in a realistic, uh, right light.
0: See, because that would just be my my ultimate concern about this is that you're making it attractive. It, obviously, not so much for the you know the rational minded to say, "Oh, gee, I really like to go through something like that." But you see, you know, and you've dealt with this for years with having been on Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State, where you know people will call you and contact you because. Uh, they say they they need help, but in actuality they just really want to see if you can get the TV show to come to their house. And oh, yeah. I, I'm worried about that segment of the population that all of a sudden now whatever activity they're experiencing, they're going to be convinced it's a demon because they're going to want the demon show to come to their house. And then they're going to call in other investigators who are going to be like, okay, it is a demon because that's what the homeowner is telling us, people who maybe can't discern that. And it's it's just going to cause a lot of not only open a lot of doors for that stuff to come through, but also make a lot of people who are already skeptical about what it is that we do, even more skeptical about it, because they're going to say, well, with these people, everything's a demon.
3: Right, yeah. There's that, that, that aspect of it, too. Certainly, people will see that um, they're claiming uh, demonic activity, and if everything uh, they say is demonic, that could uh, desensitize people in that, that way as well. Well, they're going to claim it's demonic anyway. But, of course, um, even... Uh, even some years before Ghost Hunters, uh, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, there was a case where um, Taps was called in, and uh, Jason and Grant actually found speakers in somebody's wall. And, again, that's that's uh, years before Ghost Hunters, but uh, they were actually trying to get on sightings, and they were looking for Taps to verify his haunting and... Um, you know, lo and behold, speakers were found in the wall where he was projecting voices and things. And, um, you know, it's, it's not always as clear cut as that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say where some, a TV show like this will lead. I think it will affect all, you know, different viewers in different ways. Uh, some will say, oh, it's ridiculous. They're, they're looking for demons and finding demons everywhere. But, um, some will be very, very attracted to it. But some will see it for what it is, that um, quite often there is demonic activity involved, not always to a high level, not always to a high level, um, but there there is that aspect. And I think it is rather prevalent in haunting activity that the demonic is involved in some way.
0: Is there anything that you can do to stop it? Is there anything that you can do to keep it from... From manifesting, if you know, obviously, when you're trained, somebody like yourself, you know, you have that knowledge and you, you go into these cases armed with that knowledge. But just the run of the mill person, is there something they can do to keep the demonic at bay? The
3: best, the best thing to do is not feed into it, is just not feed into it. Stay as positive as possible, as upbeat as possible. Uh, I think one of our greatest defenses is actually a sense of humor. That doesn't mean you have to be laughing at everything and you know taunting it and being being uh, derivative. But uh, just keeping a very positive, uh, faithful frame of mind, uh, just to laugh and be be that positive person as much as as is possible. Uh, have have friends over that that are uh, that are funny that love to have a good time and just you know get your mind off it so it's not uh, dwelling upon it. I mean, not of course totally ignore it. I do believe that. Uh, these situations should be taken seriously and prayed over, and that uh, blessings often help. But um, also just just getting together with good friends, uh, going out to see a movie and, and laughing, and uh, that is really a great, a very, very good defense. And uh, surround yourself with as um, many positive people as possible.
0: Well, that's just good. That's just good in general. Like not even just keeping the demonic away. That's just good to keep the jerks away, too.
3: It is. Oh yes, yeah, it is. It is. It really is. And, uh, you'll find that, uh, sometimes people that don't have your best intentions, uh, in mind will sometimes gravitate away from you and, uh, kind of look, look for new victims. I mean, it's, you know, sorry that people, some people take that stance, but, uh, you know, we've all known people that, uh, they don't really like it when you're having a good time, uh, you know, but, um, some of these people they they need help too a lot of these people are going through uh, a downtime they're going through depressions and of course they need help and uh, attention and understanding too but you know just just um, try to avoid people who are giving you negative um, impulses try trying to bring you down even if they're they're sometimes not aware of it and uh, just like uh, sometimes it, it is very true that laughter is the best medicine indeed
0: all right, well, Keith, thank you for checking in with us, and, and thank you for the work that you do.
3: Oh, you're very welcome, Tim. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and Matt and the crew and uh, Chris. And uh, it it is always a pleasure, and hopefully, hopefully we'll get together again very soon.
0: Absolutely. Are you going to be at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con this year?
3: Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I uh, look forward to seeing you there.
0: Awesome. And hopefully we can get another good paranormal panel going as well. We always have fun with those.
3: We do. We always do.
0: And and although I didn't see Joe Chin on the schedule, and usually that turns into Pick on Joe, which, you know, is usually the, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the added bonus for it. So. All right, well, you guys take care. Give Sandra our best and say hi to everybody, and, and we'll talk real soon.
3: Certainly, Tim. And uh, you take care, and you and the family, and God bless.
0: You as well. And uh, that is Keith Johnson, of course. You know him from New England Anomalies Research and from his show Ghosts Are Near and from... Ghost Hunters, Paranormal State, you've seen him on those shows and of course his his book Paranormal Realities, the series of books uh, Paranormal Realities and and being involved in the Conjuring case so he has the knowledge way more than than we have uh, of going up against some of these things and I, I like what he said though about the fact that if you can surround yourself by positivity and by good things, then it only will breed more good things. Cause I'm, I'm somebody that dwells in the negative. I know that people don't believe that. Yeah. No, but people that hear me on the air, they don't believe that. They don't know me in person. And they don't, they don't know what, don't, what I'm like, but I, I find that I get so dragged down and sucked into the negative. And I want to stay positive and I want to stay good and I want to attract more of that into my life, but I, I can't. I'm just permanently in that rut of that bad stuff that keeps happening just keeps piling up and mounting up on me because I'm pulling more bad stuff in. And that's one of the other reasons why I would never want to be involved in one of these cases because I think I would be contributing more bad stuff than I would good. I try to put out good things for other people at least because I know I'm already screwed myself.
1: You you keep an attitude like that, then you're not going to get
0: things to become better. For but you. I can't. It, 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 it's, it's not easily changed. It's not. You know, um, and I tried using the secret and all that stuff of, of trying to use that power of positivity. but Well, why don't you go with the,
1: the old Elsa approach?
0: Let it go. I let can't it go. can't let things go. People have actually recommended to me that they're like, listen. I don't advocate the use of, of recreational drugs, but you are somebody that could really benefit from them. I've had people tell me all the time, like, the fact that you don't smoke weed is probably your biggest problem. And I'm like, no, I see that as a positive point for myself. But they're like, yeah, some people really should, and you're one of them. It's not so much that I'm uptight, but it's just that I, I take everything in too much. And, uh, you know, like, every everything that bad is happening is the universe against me. I don't process things properly. No, I think
1: you're you're a pretty balanced person. I think what you do is you wind up taking more things on your shoulder than most people would normally take. You you take everybody's, you know, plight personally. I, I've watched you do that over mm. and over and over again. I mean you're a very empathetic person, and you always are looking out for the best for everybody. When when things don't always work
0: out, you take that personally. I think I'm not empathetic at all. Like, if I see somebody crying, I'm like, I'm going to go over here now? Uh, no, but I'm talking. Like, when people want to share their feelings with me, I'm like, meh, nah.
1: No, but you are, I've seen you definitely concerned with people's well-being and, you know, what's going on with them. You always do like to see people succeed.
0: Well, hopefully, because they'll just take me along for the ride. Right? <laughs> I don't have to actually do any work. Uh, but, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if we can surround ourselves with more positivity and more light. And, and like I tell people all the time when we go on like Legend Trips events and everything, I say, listen, I don't believe in this stuff. But the people who do tell me that if you want to protect yourself, just surround yourself with goodness and, and positivity and, and the white light, as they say. And that, you know, that will at least carry you goodness, through. Goodness,
1: in- positivity and, and, you know. Upbeat, and, you know, people. So what are you doing hanging with me?
0: I know. You're you're part of my problem. But, but I figure that, you know, if that works for them, then why can't they? I mean, if you walk into a haunted place and feel like you surrounded yourself with that positivity, that light, and when you are there, nothing bad can happen to you, then why don't you just surround yourself with that all the time? Why don't you just keep those thoughts going all the time? And then everybody would be a lot better off.
1: And then people will think you're on something.
0: Yeah, I know. That's probably that's probably my case. That's probably my situation is eventually I'm going to have to, uh, you know, I'm I'm eventually going to have to just give in and say, you know what, maybe I should try this love and light thing for a little while, and see how it works. But I don't know. It would be so phony now at this point from coming from me because I don't know if you ever read any of my social media, but that's some place to find out that I actually really am a jerk. I, I see what you post all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's how you can really know, and you can follow me at Tim Weisberg and see what a jer- jerk I really am, and it's, uh, it's pretty fun and entertaining at the very least. So that about does it for this week's show. I mean, I think that we had a pretty good discussion talking about kind of the nature of some of this stuff, and hopefully people will listen to this, and they'll watch The Demon Files on November 1st when it premieres on Destination America, but they'll keep this in the back of their mind that it is a war going up against these things. Is a war, and it's not something that you that's going to be cool and fun and interesting. It may be fascinating to watch, but it's certainly not anything that you're going to want to invite into your own life. And it's certainly not something that you're going to want to say, "Gee, uh, you know, I, I really could be somebody if only I could get demonically possessed." You know, uh, hopefully people take it, you know, in the in the proper context that they should while enjoying the show. Well, you got to remember, these are
1: some of our oldest stories. This this stuff has been around. With humanity for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. That's, I, am I wrong? Is that not no. a good majority of, you know, our folklore and books? You know, the stories that were written down back then.
0: We always see ourselves as the protagonist, and every good story is going to need that antagonist. Yeah. So why not go with the, you know, the ultimate antagonist, which is pure evil? Well, again, we're running out of time here, but we want to remind everybody that uh, next week and the week after, we will not be here because we'll be doing Face Your Fear Night at Fort Tabor. You can get your tickets at WBSM.com and Fun107.com. We still have some tickets available for the 24th. The 17th, however, is sold out. But come on out and enjoy uh, a night with us on the 24th. It will be the Spooky Crew plus Ghost Hunters. Amy Burney will all be investigating Fort Tabor with you. So come on out uh, for that event. Again, WBSM.com and Front107.com. And you can come hang out with Amy and I Wednesday at Strange Education here in New Bedford. Get your tickets at strange-escapes.com. Uh, one of the things that we have hopefully planned uh, over the next couple of weeks, there was some classic Spooky South Coast airing in our place because it is October. You know We want to make sure that we can give you a spooky good time, even if we can't be here in the studio. But you can always go and find it yourself through iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Hundreds, I'm talking literally hundreds of episodes for you to download and listen to. It's amazing how many we've done uh, over the years, both here and on the Dark Matter Radio Network. We thank everybody for tuning in, however you do so. Hit us up all week long on Twitter, at SpookySC. Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We will talk to you next live on Halloween night. I know I'll be here. I don't know what the rest of the crew is doing, but I'll be here, and uh, we'll have some spooky fun. I promise you that. So, uh, again, that uh, does it for this week's show. Hopefully everybody stays safe out there in all their Halloween season activities. And, uh, and be sure to let us know what it is that you're out there doing. Uh, we would love to follow along with your adventures like you follow along with ours. So until next time, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, I'm Tim. Stay spectacular.